0: now tuned in to the Animal Control Report. <laughs> I said it that way. What's up, Bishop?
1: I, you, Dan, you said it that way because you can't leave every, anything
0: alone. This is true. Well, I mean, what the if, same. What's, let, Let's be honest. though, What if every every week, and, and our listeners, y'all can give feedback too, what if every week we started the show like, you're listening to the Animal Control Report?
1: Okay, first of all, you would never start it out that way because that is a little too boring and monotone for you but you know what some podcasts like that's their thing they have a niche and they have like that catch and it's it's catchy people hear it and they go oh i know what i'm listening to now
0: yeah you're listening to the animal control report with your hosts
1: Ashley Bishop
0: and Daniel Ettinger. Hey, I wonder why do you think people just don't care about the leash law? I I just got to jump into that and we can ask our guest here in a little bit when we get him on, but why?
1: Because their dog is um, perfect and would never harm anybody.
0: Okay. But what about other dogs that may harm it?
1: They don't think about that. They think about what's in front of them.
0: What about a car that wouldn't do anything? What about a car that may harm it?
1: dan these dogs don't leave the property
0: no no they do they absolutely run the neighborhood
1: and the owners know this oh
0: yeah and then they're like so what's the word when you're just so melancholy about life uh,
1: would it be melancholy
0: probably melancholy <laughs> and but they're just like uh, what, what, what's it what's the issue it's fine uh My dog's good. It has a tracking collar. I know where it goes. Yeah. Next time it's going to be tracking at the animal shelter. So there you have it, buddy.
1: Hey, speaking of tracking collars, I actually ran into that this week. Um, Dog had a microchip. Microchip comes back to uh, Oregon. We call the number and the woman's like, yeah, I'm down in Louisiana. And I'm like, the hell she's like but my son's up there and i said okay well is your son at, you know at least 18 years old and she goes oh yeah he's 23 he he's partial owner of the dog and i'm like okay cuz the dog was injured oh. and when i called him he's like well is it where my dog cuz he was trying to figure out how to get to the vet clinic i had her at and he's like well is it where she was 6 minutes ago and i look at the clock and I'm like, well, we've had her for about 30 minutes and then it dawned on me. I'm like, do you have an air tag on your dog? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, that's the first time I've heard of anybody doing this.
0: It's actually pretty common. And the cool thing about the air tags, if, if you mark the dog as or the air tag is lost, then your contact information will show up. But if you don't know it's lost and you have it more of a private setting, you can't like, so if I scanned your AirTag with my iPhone, it would just be like Joe Smith. And then it won't have any contact information. I don't know. You might be able to send an alert. I'm not sure.
1: I got to be honest. I don't, I didn't even know to look for an AirTag. I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying like I was confused about the fact that she even had something on. Yeah. Um, but. And that was a really weird, we had some incredible winds up here and his door had blown open in the middle of the night and she was out wandering and he had no idea. So.
0: Well, I mean, those are, those are cool pieces of technology that allow us to focus elsewhere too. You know what I mean? So it's like they can go find their own dog. We don't have to go pick it up. And as we kind of talk about that today, it's going to be a fun episode. We're going to, there's just a staggering number of animal cruelty cases that were dismissed or unprosecuted in Connecticut, and I would imagine this is pretty much standard across the board. So we'll get into that. Uh, it's, a, I mean, the number just jumps off the page. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And then we have a great guest that we're going to get on here, Brad Adams, here in a second, and talk a little bit about his long career. Like, dude is like, he he must have started when he was like 15, but we'll get into that when we get him on. And then. Just, you know, just, uh, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, um,
1: I don't know. Cause you haven't finished the rest of your sentence. <laughs> well, whatever.
0: I'm stuttering here. Give me a break. <laughs> the, uh, routine housekeeping stuff. Check out our website. keepithumane.com. use 10% code discount code. The AC report for any of your uh, items that you may purchase on our website. Uh, proceeds go to us, but they also help. Uh, we we've actually, we sent somebody to HSUS this year. Uh, And so raising some money that way to help some fellow officers is important for us as well. And like, share, rate the podcast. You got to do all that type of stuff. And um, yeah, you know, just having fun with it.
1: You know, I went to our local college and talked to the vet techs um, about my position and stuff. And I brought up the podcast and we might've gotten some more listeners there because honestly, what we talk about isn't just, for animal control. Um, it,
0: it's really not. And somebody was asking me to explain the podcast. I, I went to like a podcast meetup. Uh, they're starting to do these more and more. It's becoming more and more comp. I mean, everybody has a podcast in, in some aspects. And so these meetups are cool and you can learn from people. And there's a, a big one coming in August that I actually won free tickets to. And it, I can't believe gross. how expensive it was. It was like $350 to just go. Good um, grief. I know. Um, so th- there are big deals. And, but the one thing about them is just like, you know, this, this show though, you may be an animal control officer listening. You may not be like, we read a question a few weeks ago from someone that was a groomer, right. That had Mm -hmm. questions about it. So like, we're trying to really expand our horizon in a different way than the animal control show on Fox does, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, sure we have fun and there's humor and, and all that stuff injected into this, but then there's some like cool, Cool stories and learning abilities, and just you know, a way to d dog catcher eyes. Oh my gosh. D-dog catcher eyes our profession. Oh,
1: did you just make yourself a new catchphrase?
0: D-dog catcher eyes. <laughs> well, let's do this. I think it's time we introduce our guest Brad Please. Adams. We talked long enough. Brad, thank you so much for joining the podcast.
2: Thank you, Dan. After 173 episodes, I am finally here. Wow. And I've listened wow. to every I've listened to every single one. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> now, now That's... I may have
2: skipped, you know, over some things on one of the episodes a couple of years ago. But I've I'm a dedicated listener.
0: That's nice. so Thank awesome you. to hear, Brad. And tell like so in 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 addition to that, not only are you a dedicated listener, uh, but you're in this profession too, and you've been in this profession for two decades, dude.
2: Yeah, that's a long, that's more than half my life. I'm a, uh, you know, I started as a volunteer when I was 16 years old and then I got hired when I was 16 years old. But I remember, you know, I I thought it was cool to go around and say, I've been doing this for 10 years or I've been doing this for 15 years. Well, now it just makes me sound really senior-like, you know? <laughs> so so now I just say I've been doing this for a while, but I, uh, I, was, uh, I was just an, an, an average uh, all-American boy at 13 years old. I was riding my bicycle in the apartment complex that I lived in, and I saw this lady in a white pickup truck. It was unmarked, uh, and she was trying to load a very underweight, hairless dog in a cage to put in her truck. Being the curious thirteen-year-old boy, you know how that is. Uh, I rode my huh. bike over there and I just asked her. I asked her, I, uh, what are you doing?" And and she said, "Well, this is a, a neglected dog, and and I'm removing it." And huh. I said, well, "Well, who are you? You know, because you know, back in the <laughs> back in the mid '90s, uh, yeah, I was. That was probably like that annoying kid that just comes up, hey. Um, but you know, we heard more about the dog catcher back in the mid 90s, Mm -hmm. more so than the dog warden here in Ohio. But she said that I am a humane agent. I've never heard of a humane agent before. So what is a humane agent? And she said, Well, I investigate animal cruelty, and I enforce those laws to protect Mm -hmm. them. And you know, being a child, we all know what kind of careers that we kind of want to do. And I, I was fascinated with buses, so I kind of wanted to be a bus driver. And, but then I kind of moved into wanting to be a police officer. But once I found out there was humane law enforcement to protect animals, then I knew right then at thirteen that is what I wanted to do. So uh, wow. I asked her, and of course, at thirteen, you know, you feel like you're 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 an adult at thirteen. Um, that's why a lot of teenagers get in trouble. But, uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, I asked, I was like, well, well, can I come and work there? And she said, <laughs> she kind of giggled and, and said, well, y- you know, you gotta be at least 16 to volunteer. And so she wrote down her home phone number on a small piece of paper wow. and she gave it to me. And shortly after I turned 16, I called her phone number. Now, you know, at that time, she's already been, been in, in humane law enforcement for a few years, and I, I don't think her husband appreciated when I called the, the house, but I said, no, sir. <laughs> I said, your wife gave me her phone number, and I am that 13-year-old kid. I'm 16 now, and she told me to call wow. when I was 16 to volunteer, and she got on the phone, she was shocked, and she scheduled a ride-along, and I never stopped. Wow. Nice. Do you,
0: do you like when you, so we're talking three years, did you mark it on your calendar? Like, how did you remember?
2: Oh, I didn't forget because I thought about it all the time. It was a passion and that's I knew, awesome. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And you know, I, at first, I mean, it was a humane society. So it's a nonprofit organization ran and governed by a board of directors and, and actually mm-hmm you know, there was two people that voted no on, on hiring me and, you know, I can't blame them now because I think I would have probably made the same decision. <laughs> um, they didn't hire me as a humane agent, but as a volunteer, and they created a title called assistant to the humane agent, because I was too young to be sworn in, you know, and then I took my first case to court at 17. Just wow, as a witness wow. on behalf, just as a witness on behalf of the state of Ohio, without being sworn in, and, and we won that case.
1: Are you still in touch with her?
2: Yes, actually, yes. And uh, after I, I uh, resigned the first time from the organization, she had resigned a month later and, and moved uh, far north, uh, northern Ohio. We are still connected on social media, and we do talk from time to time, not as often as we used to. Um, but, uh, she will always be an inspiration and she will be the reason why I'm here today. Still doing it. That's super
0: cool. Can you talk a little bit about the differences in Ohio? This is not common. It's, it's a, it's common on the East coast. It's not common West of the Mississippi where you get the differences between like humane law enforcement officer and then dog warden or dog catch. So can you tell us a little bit like how Ohio operates and what separates like what separates the animal control officer or dog warden from doing what you do as the humane agent?
2: Well, there here in Ohio. We have dog wardens who pick up stray dogs. They enforce dog licensing, vicious dog laws, and they do livestock kill investigations. Humane hmm. agents enforce only animal cruelty laws, any laws to protect them. And uh, and that's it. Now, there are some counties that have added duties and I'm not sure sure how many, but I know here in in our county, uh, we also do rescue. So if there is a sick or injured domestic animal, we will respond uh, to get the animal help. The dog wardens Mm -hmm. are still tasked with picking up injured dogs because whether they are injured or not, they're still a stray.
0: Just a quick follow up to that. Sorry, Bishop. Um, like if a dog warden is out and sees cruelty, right? Or they, you know, whether it's a stray that they're like they they're going to RTO return to owner or something like that. How, like, what is their involvement in something like that? Like, where do they? Where does it stop and you begin?
2: Well, they just uh, the state of Ohio passed a law which I don't think the law had to be passed because as dog wardens, I mean, they're animal lovers as well, <laughs> but um they are mandated to to report animal cruelty the same way as a as a citizen so if they see any type of animal cruelty or they run up to a property uh and find a, a dog without shelter they must report it to a humane agent
1: do the wardens and the humane agents work out of the same
2: department or same organizations no Dog wardens are under the county commissioners, which is, you know, regular government, and humane agents are appointed by humane societies, which are nonprofit organizations. So,
1: okay, interesting.
2: It is very it is interesting. interesting. What it's the same in West Virginia, I think. It most of it is the same in Pennsylvania West Virginia, too. Pennsylvania, and I think. Yep. Some of Kentucky, maybe. Would
0: you, okay, would you be okay with if they expanded duties and so you did everything? Or are you, I mean, now, I mean, 20 years in, you're kind of used to your day-to-day, but like, that's what we do. Uh, we do everything, Bishop.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do everything. And, and of course I do everything. I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, that's <true. laughs> And that's the way it is And in most of America. You know, we're, we're yeah. just a little behind here. Um, Now... And I think someday they, they will expand those duties. Now for about six years, I was a dog warden for a city, uh, police department. And do I really want to go back to capturing stray dogs? Not really, but if we would move into that, uh, into those duties, then absolutely. You know, I I don't really want to go back into that. I now, after 24 years, I I actually enjoy the investigation side of it. I I enjoy getting out Mm -hmm. there and and doing investigations, and finding facts, and and going after those who are harming animals.
1: Being that that is the meat and potatoes of what you do, how busy do you stay?
2: Well, we do cover two counties now. Um, Fortunately, here in my county, we've had very aggressive humane law enforcement for about probably 35 years. And with all of the resources that we have provided and continue to provide, such as access to veterinary care for those who might not have access to that in certain areas, um, food pantries, low-cost spay and neuter, um, and just getting out into schools every year in community groups to uh, provide resources and education we have it stabilized here where we're not running call to call to call. Now we have taken on another County adjacent to us just for large animals and livestock, which isn't, uh, something that, that we do every day either because most people who have livestock, um, you know, if they, uh, cause those animals to, uh, lose weight or, or, uh, something else, you know, that, that's their livelihood. So, Right now we're, we're stabilized. I mean, we're not that busy. Okay. We've always been in the face of the community, very strong. We patrol. I mean, and you have
0: a super, a super large presence on social media and not only like, I, I feel it's almost more predicated or dedicated to your community. Like I see a lot of community involvement not necessarily like other ACO involvement, which is really, I would say like great for you to be able to create such a like network in the, in the community, like to have that following and have that support.
2: Social media has been amazing. I actually began with use with social media, with my space, because I think <laughs> I was, I think I was 20, 20 or 21 years old. And I was sitting around thinking how. Can I reach a community far and wide fast? And MySpace—I mean, my nobody was using. Yeah. I mean, individuals were using MySpace, but not not like businesses or like it is now with like pages. So I created a a, a dog warden MySpace where I could put out posts and and connect with the community. That's and cool. then I moved into Facebook and Instagram. You know, so. Um, I think social media has been a very big catalyst into reaching out to the community and bringing that network together. And without the support of our community here, I don't think I could do what I do every day.
1: Was your uh, tag song on MySpace? Who let the dogs out?
2: Um, <laughs> no. But you know, <laughs> but you know when that song was popular, no. I did hear that a lot. You know, or someone would shout it. Who let the dog? <laughs> you know, Dan, I'm not as good as you are uh, rapping. But uh, please, uh, please, please don't get him started sorry. either. Not, those are the things I'm you would hear back the <laughs> So it's. I have good. to
1: say, when we moved,
2: it's been a good ride. Sorry, you know? it's just. Gonna... Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's okay. I was going to say when we moved our shelters from one shelter to the brand new building. I played Who Let the Dogs out on repeat for about four hours before somebody was like, Who's playing this song? <laughs> hey. You know, it is what it is. I was eighteen, okay. <laughs> Sounds like
0: something you would do. Brad, so do you have any like you you're so young and, in you know, in relevance to like a career. Do you have any like any thoughts of doing anything different or do you think you'll stay in this profession until you I, retire?
2: I'm hope. I mean, that's another 25 years and yeah, you know, I take every day as it goes and I hope I don't burn out. I really hope that I don't. I hope to be like Carrie Mannion, who was the chief humane agent in Franklin County who retired after 40 years and still love doing it. Wow. Um, I want to eat, sleep and breathe this. It is a passion with a purpose. And I think as long as I continue with education and staying up to date with, um, how you do investigations and speak to people and deescalate, um, I think that will continue my drive as well. You know, I tell any humane agent that I train that when you get to a time that you feel like you no longer have the drive to do continuing education, to further your knowledge, it is a, it is time to leave because that is when you are going to end up harming yourself, someone else, or an animal. You have to keep doing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's actually a really good point. Some people don't necessarily realize when they've hit that wall, when they've hit that burnout. I think that's a really good uh, indicator for people to kind of look back at and to figure it out.
2: You know, education is everything. It brings confidence for yourself. It brings confidence in the community around you that you are doing your, your job correctly. It brings confidence with the court prosecutor in your local, uh, fellow law enforcement agencies. They put trust. In- and one thing that I, that
0: I hear is just in your voice. And, and obviously from, from knowing you through social media and things like that. But one thing I hear today is, I mean, you sound just refreshed. Like you sound that like this, like you found your life's work and you're really, you know, passionate about continuing to do that. And it sounds like you also have like, measures in place to, to make sure you do it for the next 25 years. Like, you know what it will take. And I think that's really uh, like commendable. Like I, I can't think of another way to say it, but like you're an inspiration to others and and you should be. And I, and I think like, as you continue to, to do this job, like you'll find new ways and new things, but you also probably have your, you know, good routines that keep you, you know, happy. And like, you know, that type of stuff that, that doesn't get you burned out.
2: Yeah, I do. You've got to try to draw a line somewhere. Um, you know, my my favorite thing to do is either go take a walk and connect with nature, which is so fulfilling and refreshing, or take random long drives. And if you follow me on social media, that's I mean, I just love taking random drives and taking a camera with me just in case I see something or a, a deer that I want to photograph or a barn, you know? Um, And I think that that helps a lot. You do have to draw a line somewhere. Uh, If you don't, you will burn out. Mm -hmm.
1: That's one thing I keep telling Daniel every time he goes on even a vacation. You don't need to go check out
2: the shelters. And, you know, I I do the same thing. I do. Yes, I do. I have visited 37, I think, shelters here in Ohio. Um, wow. and, and anywhere I go, I've got to find the local shelter. I want to see what they're doing, what it looks. I'll take a picture of it. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll be out there with the camera, <laughs> like a creeper. They're like, Oh no, they're doing an audit. No, I'm just taking a picture Same. of for myself. I love it. I like meeting other people in the uh, profession. Um, and just seeing what other people do it in different States. I, I really enjoy it. So speaking of that,
0: speaking of photos, I uh, had to pull up Google maps of your shelter and I, I just can't get past the four story industrial brick building of the humane society. Are you only on the first floor? Or does it go? Please tell me you go upstairs.
2: We do not. We have half of the first floor. We rent a downtown office building. We have hmm. remodeled it to make it work for us as a nonprofit. We've never been able to buy or raise enough money for a freestanding building. However, um, we did have that goal a couple of years ago when COVID hit, all pledges and donations flatlined. We could not get mm-hmm. to the goal that we needed for a brand new building, but we did find a freestanding building with the the proper intake uh, or uh, uh, what is that, Ashley? When, when they, it takes, air exchange system. With air exchange systems, because it used to be a doctor's mm. office, we did find that and that is within what we've already raised and it's still going to provide the same result, which is sheltering animals and, and we'll do that. So, um, yes. Right. And that's, and that's where we are, you know, we're in a downtown office building, mainly cats. We use a lot of foster homes for large dogs or I connect okay. with another shelter. If I need to take a dog from, you know, that I've had from, for cruelty. Um, but we, we adopt out, you know, probably 1,800 cats per year and probably a couple hundred, wow. 150 dogs and puppies per year. So we have um, mainly puppies. I tell you what, we started a program called the Unplanned Puppy Program. Now it's called POW, Preventing Another Litter. I, I, I just put a name to it, um, where if someone surrenders their entire Whoa. litter of puppies to us, we will spay the mother at no charge. And then we'll spay and neuter nice. the puppies and fence at two pounds or or what they're not going to be two pounds at eight weeks old, depending, I guess on, on their breed, but then we will adopt them out already spayed or neutered. So we're, we're, we're preventing a problem.
0: And that's what we need. It's so funny that you bring that up because a friend of mine who's over probably just about two and a half hours to the East in the Pittsburgh area just posted, Hey, my friend's mom dog had nine puppies. If you can afford them, let me know. And I'm like, bruh, so uh, I I went to and we had them on as a guest. uh, Think out think outside the cage or thinking outside the cage. The Animal Protective League of Pittsburgh. No, that's not it. What was it, Bishop? It was. Um, oh God, don't eat, Animal Friends, Animal Friends Pittsburgh. Thank you, thanks. You're See, welcome, Brad. You and I both go to Bishop for the answers that we already know. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. <all> right. um, <laughs> but Animal Friends Pittsburgh does like a low cost, <clears throat> a low cost, you know, spay, uh, spay neuter thing, and it's like. Here's this if your friend needs it, like as a very passive aggressive way to be like, we don't need <laughs> nine puppies that people can't afford to buy from this person. I'm all for, and we can go back and forth on it a little bit, but like I'm all for responsible breeding for specific things. Like if somebody really wants a German Shepherd dog for something or whatever it may be, an Aussie, you know, uh, border collie, like we need that. I think we need that. Um, that's just my personal opinion, but when it comes to just backyard breeding, uh, yeah, obviously I'm not a fan. Well, you
2: know, Brid- and- sure. Go ahead. I, you know what? I've, it's done slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <It's- clears throat> I was going to ask, being that you're in a um, office building, do you, are there other actual office people in it? Like, is it full? Do they get to come down and de-stress by taking a cat in a
2: room after a rough day at work the other three floors are completely vacant the you can tell by
0: the holes in the windows sorry yeah
2: Yeah. oh i wasn't looking completely vacant the other half (laughs) the other half um used to be a shop and it's vacant as well so we have that whole i actually i actually inquired about buying that building at one time because i like the uniqueness of being downtown and uh we Mm. had it inspected and it, it you know, it, it would it would cost us more to retrofit it into what we need than, than mm. to wing with something mm. else. But Darn. Hey, you know a lot of animals come in and out of there and, and we do TNR uh, you know, every week. So that helps as well. Nice.
0: Tomahawk Live Trap has been manufacturing humane animal capture and handling equipment since 1925. They work directly with animal control officers around the world to develop and improve their products so that they are as safe and efficient as possible. Save 10% on your next order by using discount code DCACREPORT. Visit them online at www.livetrap.com or call them at 1-800-272-8727. We're back. Well, we have this story that we want to get to here in a second about just the staggering number of cases dismissed in Connecticut, and just see, you know, what how that relates to you. You're obviously in a smaller county, and uh, it, it probably have a, I would imagine, a, a different relationship with your prosecutor since you're the only. Are you the only humane agent
2: for your county? No, there, there's myself and Agent Doherty, and then I have two reserve humane agents who are able to step okay. in and help if needed.
0: And then, really quick, just because I know you're in Ohio and
2: and we had him on a couple years back, did you ever work with Dave Hunt? No, but I've attended a few of his classes. Wonderful instructor, very dearly missed. Yeah, he was. Yes, absolutely. He was. He was amazing.
0: All right, Bishop, you ready to take away this uh, this article?
1: Yes, from News Eight. This is. The uh, story out of Connecticut: eighty percent of animal cruelty cases dismissed or unprosecuted in Connecticut by Ashley Baylor.
0: Not Ashley no. Bishop.
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I did not write an article <laughs> um, and from December of just this last year. So this is new. Pretty recent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, new Haven, Connecticut. Lincoln Thundra and Axel are three innocent canines in Connecticut with broken legs, gunshot wounds, and frostbitten paws. These are the faces that need your help to ensure justice is served for every suffering animal. We need to know who these people are in our community so that we know not to adopt to them, said Laura Berman, an animal control officer at the Dan Gosgrove animal shelter.
0: We're both mentioned in this. Yeah, actually writing it in my shelter. sorry, here we go.
1: The number of animal abuse cases in Connecticut is staggering. More than 3,000 between 2011 to 2021. So that's a 10-year gap there. According to the Connecticut Office of Legislative Research, 80% of those cases were either dismissed or not prosecuted. 80% of 3,000. Dan, do the math quick.
0: Okay, uh, da 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 da. That's like close to two thousand, twenty three hundred. So like twenty somewhere in there, right? I'll do the real math.
1: Yeah. Some of the reasons we see high rate of dismissals in animal cruelty cases is that often the crimes happen in private, in somebody's home, without witnesses, and the victim, the animal. Can't speak for themselves, said Jessica Rubin, Associate Dean for the Experimental Education and Clinical Professor of Law at UConn. Many go unprosecuted because abuse is never reported. We have everything in Connecticut to make prosecutions of abusers successful, said Richard Lynch, an attorney at LTKE. But we need to use the laws we have. The way to do it, advocate for these animals. Lynch said it's important people get involved and know that everyone can advocate for an animal that has been abused. Without an advocate, a case can flow through the system without a ripple, and in many cases, a serious offender will get accelerated rehabilitation, he said. That's what happened to Desmond in 2012. His abuser confessed to Desmond's gruesome murder, yet was offered accelerated rehabilitation. Urban had to witness the horrific aftermath. Desmond was strangled, killed, and thrown in a pond, she said. Those types of crimes should not receive accelerated rehabilitation. Once rehabilitation is complete, the accuser's record is expunged. That person could buy or adopt another dog with no record of abuse, which leaves many arguing for an animal abuse registry. Amen. In 2018, Republican State Senator... Kevin Witkos proposed a bill to establish an animal abuse registry, citing that 65% of animal abusers have also been arrested for battery against a person. Hmm. Ding, ding, ding. The link.
0: Ding, ding, ding.
1: (sighs) That bill never passed. It might surprise you that one of the groups against abuse registries is the ASPCA. Yep. I did not get to this part. They claim registries are expensive to institute and maintain, are rarely utilized, and may decrease the prosecution of severe animal cruelty cases. They also fear it will create a vigilante mentality if registries are made public. In those cases where someone has strangled and killed a dog and the necropsy shows the dog was systematically tortured over an extended period of time, We should not allow those people to obtain animals, again, at all, Bourbon said. What can you do to protect these animals? Recognize abuse, report it to the proper authorities, and know that all animals have a right to representation by an advocate. Lawmakers also update current animal laws and revisit the possibility of an abuse registry. Here's a look at some of the alleged animal abuse cases currently pending in the court system. Cheshire Police arrested Philip Lynn for violating the condition of his release stemming from an animal cruelty investigation. Officers found 28 dogs in his home, some were deceased, others were sexually abused. David Riviera Jr., a new new cannon police officer and owner of the Black Black Rock Canine Training Facility was arrested on animal abuse charges after 10 dogs were allegedly shot and killed. Mm, I struggle with that one. It is acceptable, but what is the backstory? Franco Bellini Zabala was arrested after abuse to a Siberian husky puppy that was caught on camera in Wallingford. Oh, all right. Strangia? Perrin and Anthony Singletary were arrested after they allegedly shot their German shepherd. All except Perrin are due in court next week. Lynch and Bourbon also emphasize the importance of reporting abuse because animal cruelty is often linked to other forms of violence, especially interpersonal violence, meaning someone within the household, a spouse, a parent, or a child may also be the victim of abuse. I have a quick statement to this, and and I only, like, as reading it, had this epiphany. Yeah. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and one of them that I listen to actually takes different laws that were created and talks about how the law actually made things more difficult.
0: To prosecute?
1: To prosecute other things. Yeah. And one of them was about the sex offender registry. Talk about it. I can't talk super in depth because it was a long time ago that I listened to it. And I, w- I will find it again and I will listen to it. It was done by Ashley Flowers, um, the crime junkie gal. Okay. But they talked about how having the sex offender registry, um, number one narrows law enforcement's line of thinking when they are looking into different cases and they will pinpoint on people who are in the registry when they maybe need to be looking outside of that as well. But then there's also the problem with, if you are on the registry, you're on the registry no matter if it was really kind of I don't want to say a ma- a minor offense but let's say
0: urinating di- by a school or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Lewd and lascivious acts or even let's say an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old you know okay. have consensual sex but no the 18-year-old is registered as a sex offender. So I can see where maybe the ASPCA is on to something a little bit with how it would be difficult to have that registry. And I don't know what the answer is, you know, whether we have one or not, because I recently had my local shelter ask me about a person that was looking to adopt. He admitted that he had received a citation for dog napping. Wow. Oh. And she couldn't find it on our state website, CCAP. So she contacted me about it. And I remembered the case and I I looked him up in our in-house records. And by looking at his history, there was a lot that I saw in his history from before the age of 18 as well. Okay. And things that could be, link related. Now, supposedly this puppy situation was a good faith. He thought the puppy had been outside for a long period of time. And so he took the puppy and didn't make sense because the dog was tied up to the person's house. He should have just knock on the door. Um, but I told the um, shelter ma- director, I said, listen, I can't tell you anything more, but be very careful with this one. And I can't tell you because it's from records from when he was a minor. minor yeah. Yeah. But well, think hard about it.
0: <laughs> going back to what you said about the ASPCA not being in favor for it. And, and I actually was doing some research on this last year just cause I, I f- feel like, and Brad, you can jump in here too, is like, if I'm investigating a crime against somebody that committed animal abuse, I do want to know their history, but in, in addition to that, when someone comes in to adopt, and most I shouldn't say most, a lot of shelters don't even get IDs from don't don't even get mm. started on that. But like, we're not cross checking. Like, this person could come in, and if you are a sociopath, soci- sociopath, sociopath,
1: sociopath,
0: thank you. And you, can, I mean, you just put on a front. And you come in like, oh my god, I love animals, but then your whole intent is to like, whether you want to sexually abuse it or whatever it is, like you can you can pretty much get around that easily because there's no there's no checks and balances at all uh from from my knowledge i'm sure like maybe one or two animal shelters out there do that but for the most part it's not happening what's happening in ohio brad
2: you know we don't have a registry or anything like that but i think it would be definitely a great idea for at the very minimum for shelters to have access to to something like that um where they could run checks you know now we have a program uh, animal shelter manager and anytime we charge anybody we, you know their information is, is put in there and once their name is searched um to to adopt an animal um or their name or their their information is put in um a red box pops up and and alerts mm-hmm. staff that this person has been charged with cruelty um, but, you know, that's just on a local basis. What What's to say someone from another county or another jurisdiction doesn't, you know, that is, they don't come to another a shelter to adopt. Yeah.
1: And like our shelter does, I would think that every state has, because it should be open records. Um, so every state should have some kind of, way to check into somebody's background ours is called ccap it's the wisconsin circuit court whatever mm-hmm. the pro- the problem is is it is only criminal so if you if the person received municipal related violations it won't be on there and it, it, in this case his uh dog napping was municipal it was not criminal because um, he gave the puppy back and stuff and claim to be just an idiot 18, 19 year old. But I know our shelter does check. They do the bare minimum background check on everybody. So, you know, that's something that all shelters can at least look into, but it doesn't, it doesn't give you the full idea of the person either, unfortunately. and it would be very expensive to do full background checks on everybody and it would put such a tax on the law enforcement agencies to do that.
0: Have either of you when dealing with a case of cruelty or neglect or something like that? That's probably not the right question. but have either of you provided information to a, like a law enforcement official, a detective or somebody investigating another crime that may have been connected to an animal cruelty or neglect crime. That's like, Oh, by the way, because that's the other thing is if you're not police, like mm-hmm. even, even our department, like we put such minimal notes in the CAD system, which, you know, is the the system mm-hmm. that the, the deputies use because we have a separate system for chameleon that all of our major notes go in there. So like, Sure, they could see like one charge with cruelty, but unless they like reached out and said, hey, like what do you got on this person? Like they're not going to know. And and so like one of the things that I was taught from RDA was like, you know, you like it's prejudicial to like bring up the past during jury trial and such stuff like that, but during sentencing, it's not. And so if they have all that information saying like, okay, this person has done X, Y, and Z over the number of years, there, during sentencing, we were going to ask for, for this because of their history. And, and I just think we're, we're dropping it. We're missing that connection nationally on, on that link on being able to cross both, you know, police type of crimes to animal crimes and, uh, all the other, you know, situations that happen behind the scenes.
1: I'm, I'm lucky enough that because I'm at the police department directly that yeah. all my stuff goes in there. Um, I will say, too, that our lieutenant, who kind of monitors the children aspect as far as, you know, watching for the school shooting type behavior. Um, he has specifically requested that anytime I have any animal abuse related to a child offender, I am to let him know because he is going to put that kid on a watch list. Mm. Um, so as far as my department goes, they do kind of watch for that a little bit. And, and we communicate pretty well. You know, we had, I had one recently where the female kept calling another agency saying there's kids locked in a basement being tortured, blah, blah, blah. And when I heard the call come out in her name, I reached out to the officer immediately. And I said, Hey, by the way, we have all these other issues going on because I said, if you happen to get in the house and you can see, you know, look into it for me because she won't let me in. Um, So we are able to work together that way, but it's so much harder. I think when you're not with law enforcement. (laughs)
0: It's an interesting perspective. I, I think we do need to broaden our, our scope nationally. Like, so if something does happen in Ohio or Wisconsin or Mm -hmm. Texas, Nevada, that, it shouldn't just be sing- singular to that area. Like I should be able to see it if I'm doing an investigation and that person now lives in Colorado. Like that's, that's just how I, you know, operate and like, I like to know as much as I can about a person while I'm doing this. Cause you know, if you have history, like I, I love progressive enforcement. I'm all about like, Hey, how's it going? Like, how can we fix this? All right. Blah, blah, blah. Now we didn't fix this. All right. So here's the next step is mm-hmm. now I got to send you to court or whatever it may be. Right. And so, but if we're not able to, to really cross that, that's hard. And I know the FBI was, was doing NIBER stuff. Did you do NIBRS, <laughs> Brad? Did you submit your stuff to NIBRS?
2: No, we, we it didn't. can't. Because of law enforcement aspect. Right. Okay. We've not, we've never been given that ability or we've not been notified on that. You, you have to asked. be sworn. Okay. Is that right? Okay. Now, we are sworn, but yeah. we're not peace officers. And, and I think in Ohio, you have to be a peace officer to have that yeah. information. I'm also an auxiliary police dispatcher um, and can see that as a dispatcher. But okay. yeah, I mean, it, it's, I don't think it Do you be. have,
0: do you feel like you have pretty good success in your cruelty cases though? I wanted to get back to that a little bit because I mean, and Bishop, that number is 2,400 cases dismissed and not prosecuted,
2: by the way. Um, Brad, do you have pretty good success? We have good success. We have a wonderful prosecutor um, who takes our uh, our uh, ideas into consideration on sentencing uh, with plea bargains. And most of most of our cases are resolved through plea bargains. Uh, but he, he's wonderful here in Ohio. A humane society may employ their own prosecutor at the expense of the county well we don't have that need here uh I mean even we a couple years ago we had a a a local deputy sheriff that charged someone with cruelty and during the sentencing I get a call from the the prosecutor and I'm like well, I don't have any open cases what's going on and he wanted to know he wanted to know my opinion on, on the sentencing with that particular case. And I said, nice. I said, that's not my case. That's, that's yeah. deputy. So-and-so's. And he said, I don't care. You are the humane agent. You're the expert. I, I want you yeah, to on what kind of sentencing, you know, we, that you you'd like to see. So, I mean, he, he's wonderful. And, you know, I, I can't complain here. I, but I think that's again, awesome. it goes back with, you know, giving that the perception and the professionalism. Um, and it brings more respect. I think as well. But that's not, that's not the case with everybody, but at least here, at least here. I mean, because when I think
0: you're, I, I do think that's part of it. I think some of it is just ingrained dog catcher kind of thought process when it comes to animal crimes. Right. So maybe that prosecutor's like, eh, it's just a crime against an animal. Like how
2: big of a deal can it be? When you were talking about this, I, I did a four question poll on our local uh, humane agent Facebook group because I was curious after after you were talking about that and i was trying to figure out the percentages um from other humane agents in the state of ohio and and how their cases are um i mm. I, I had four questions that i asked them uh would you like for me to share that
0: if you yeah, yeah if you, absolutely mm-hmm.
2: question one and it, only 11 answered but they were all from different parts of ohio here do you get to make the okay. decision to charge someone with cruelty or do you have to submit your case to the prosecutor for the decision? 61% makes their own decision. We do here as well. Um, we go okay. on to type up <clears throat> charges and, and go on it and, and we go out and serve the charges. The prosecutor finds out later. Do you feel like your prosecutor takes your cruelty cases seriously? 81% said yes. And are your cruelty cases typically dismissed? 100% said no. Wow. Wow. Out of 11.
0: And that's different from a a survey I put out a few weeks ago. Uh, And not saying the majority were dismissed, but there were a lot of cases that were dismissed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had to struggle real hard sometimes with my prosecutors. And I had one. I I filed charges in January. And I sent over everything I had. Honestly, I... I don't think I could have tied this case up any tighter for them. Um, And I had to keep going back to the prosecutor. Hey, are you going to charge us out? Are we, is he getting charged with this? And finally, Friday, I got to sit down with the prosecutor. And he's like, nope, we have felony charges. We will go forward with this. And, but it took how long, and I feel like it would have would, you know, made its way through the cracks if I didn't continue to follow up and be like, yep. hey, how's that case going?
2: Absolutely. And
1: he has a domestic side to this as well. There was some domestic violence involved. Um, so the nice thing was is even once that was looked at, I – This was one of those cases where it was a long time coming. I was doing a lot of informational reports. And my prosecutor actually looked at the one and said, well, do we have contact with the owner of this dog? And I said, yeah, we do. And he goes, did you ever charge it out? And I said, no. I said, I knew that this bigger things were coming. I didn't want to go after the little fish on this one. I said, I didn't charge anything. He goes, get me the report. We're going to charge this one, too.
0: Good. And you're also, is your title humane agent, Bishop? What's your title?
1: Humane officer. H O, remember?
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And we we gotta get into pick of the litter here in a second. But before we do, I just wonder like when you read this article, you know, animal control is is often referenced. And in Ohio, I think there's a separation of like, okay, this person is a humane agent. Like that is their task. Maybe it's seen differently. I don't know. Like I, I'm just I'm trying to understand why you know 80 percent in connecticut and we had uh, jessica rubin on to talk about desmond's law several episodes ago but you know the aspect of like I, I i know and this is this can be anywhere this isn't just our profession but i know some of our reports or cases aren't the greatest you know sometimes we do drop the ball but i think if we have a, a relationship with our prosecutor like hey what do you need on this case like I, I had a relationship with our prosecutor. Like if I'm on scene of a case, that's like pretty, I would say pretty like high, what's the word value. No, that's not the right word. High profile type of animal cruelty case. I'm calling that DA and I'm like, Hey, here's what I have. What are your thoughts? Like, what do you need me to do to make sure this sticks? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to do that more as a profession, uh, in some aspects. So,
1: and And training for our prosecutors. Uh,
2: Yes. And I think I think some of them are just uncomfortable with it. I think they are, yes, they are so used to prosecuting and arguing cases involving human violence that when it comes to animal cruelty, it's a little cringing. Like where do we go from here? maybe some insecurities on that. Um, and I do think more training and education. more guidance, I think they depend on us for guidance as well.
0: I agree, and I actually requested through Mark Kumpf, as we know, uh, who's been in, in Ohio. He's now up in Detroit. Uh, he does have some connection to the the Association of Prosecuting Attorneys conference. Uh, he works a little bit with them on that type of stuff. And so I was like, dude, we need to get something that's like not from. They don't need, in my opinion. Like I'm sure they they can have some like classes presented by prosecutors and about like the trends and statistics they need to hear from a pissed off aco or a group of them i'm not i'm, I'm being serious of like hey you're dropping the ball y'all like as a collectively mm-hmm. we're dropping the ball and here's why we're dropping the ball and here's what we can do differently and i and i think like that's that's my goal as we continue to move forward is get in front of these judges get in front of these prosecutors and let them understand like hey there's, there, I, I talk about this case a lot in class about Logan Klein. You can Google that that name if you want. Eleven year old boy out of Wichita Falls, Texas, excuse me, who was murdered by his mother and her boyfriend at the time, uh, but there was sexual abuse involved with an animal, right? Uh, and not saying that this could have been stopped. It actually could have been if you look at the case facts, like when when. Uh, the police went out, and when CPS went out, like they never separated the kids from the the parent. Uh, you know, just stuff like little things like that. But like we can potentially have the impact to stop a horrible thing from happening. And I use those case examples over and over again because I think people can see that and then potentially learn from it.
1: So, bringing back to Connecticut and looking at the ADLF's um, list, there are thirty-one for the most humane states.
0: Out of the the, the ALDF um, state rankings. R-
1: yep. Okay. For twenty twenty
0: two. And for our listeners, that's the Animal Legal Defense Fund. Yes. Uh, ALDF.org. You can check that out yourself if you wanna wanna see it. Let's jump into you ready to play some picket a litter. So you know how to play this game. <laughs> right? If you've listened to all these episodes, you already know how this goes.
2: Yes.
1: And, and you great should great have your great answers great. ready. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: well. Maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right Bishop, whenever you're ready, take it away.
1: Alright, so what is your official title title?
2: Chief Humane Agent. Chief. Oh, I cool. like it. Let me get that in here.
1: Yeah, come on, get with the program. Dude. I'm here,
0: I'm here. I'm letting <laughs> it in now. <laughs> How many times
1: agent. have you been bitten in your twenty four years?
2: Hello. Oh, I'm, uh, yes. I, uh, one time, just once. Nice. By a dog, no demon cats, just a dog. <laughs> what was the situation? <laughs> I was actually going to a volunteer's house to pick up some donations. It wasn't even an official. <laughs> oh wow! And it was, it was kind of out in the country, and and the dog heard my door shut. She knew I was coming. And the dog heard that and came barreling from around the house and and got my leg. Wow. Need stitches or anything? Uh, It was recommended, but uh, stubborn me, uh, Mm. we passed that option up.
1: You know, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Some doctors want to do stitches. Some don't based on the germs and stuff, so... So that part's always interesting. All right, Brad, what is your spirit animal?
2: Lion. Not, that, <laughs> not Not that I'm ferocious, but I love the leadership and but yet they're silent and mm. they're able to lead a pack, I think.
1: So. Nice. I like it. I like it. Your go-to snack
2: on the road. You know, and I've heard this before on the show. It's not really a snack, but I love coffee. But if it's got to (laughs) be, it it would be like spicy uh, cashews or something like that. It's usually Mm. cashews. Okay. Good Good snack. Yeah. It's a little hard when you're... Have
1: you a diet? It's so hard when you're what?
2: When you're plant-based, you don't have many options for for snacks oh. I don't think so you just Bro, we
0: got snacks. Come on. Now, <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge fan of like make, people whatever, mixed nuts. I'll I'll mess with a bag of those. Uh sunflower seeds are always a good go-to. Um just little protein in each little bite. Um you know, and then having your fresh fruits and stuff too. Those are good snacks. Some some grapes or some sugar pops Absolutely. or you know what I mean?
2: Absolutely.
1: Have you ever adopted an animal you rescued on duty?
2: Yes, twice, and they're both, nice. you know, long gone now. But only two times.
1: Emergency lights or amber?
2: Uh, red and clear. I would, I guess, classify those as emergency lights.
1: Hmm. Okay state or department required certifications
2: there is for humane agents not for dog wardens
1: okay now you said that you're sworn but you are not a peace officer so you still do not have the authority to arrest somebody correct
2: we do in ohio we do um. Oh. Yes. So, do you have cuffs? Well, we can we, get to that. we do carry we do carry them. We don't use them. I mean, it's they're there. They're there. You know. Okay.
1: And then I guess going into the next question for your PPE, do you have a firearm? No. Okay. So, what is your PPE?
2: We have an ASP uh, mace a phaser, which is the same as a taser, uh, and a vest. Okay.
1: Last question. If you could ride along with anyone, who would it be?
2: She's no longer doing this profession, but it would be Anne Marie Lucas, if anybody remembers her. She was a... Anne Marie Lucas with ASPCA back during the Animal Cop's Animal precinct days. Animal, Anna, Anna, Anna Marie Lucas was the the senior agent. Nice. That's awesome. Okay.
1: You'll have to check out one of our other episodes. We actually had uh, somebody who was on Houston SPCA on
0: Debbie. It yep. Was De- Debbie Michaelson, and that was last episode actually. So. Yep. Yeah.
1: It hasn't aired at this moment.
0: Nope. No, I mean, but but it's, it's coming. It's got well, yeah. It'll be here after you hear this one, that's for sure. <laughs> or before you hear this one, Brad, this is awesome stuff. We we really appreciate you taking the time out to join us. Did you have anything for the show? I mean, I know, like you said, it's it's an honor when we have somebody that's listened as much mm-hmm. as you have. That's fantastic. And and so we want to give you the floor if there's anything you want to say or recommend or.
2: Well, it was an honor to be invited? Thank you so much for your time as well, Dan and Ashley and um just uh everyone keep keep going on for the continuing education um uh, stay safe thanks awesome. brad
0: and, and thanks for being a friend of the show and you're you're welcome anytime so if you ever you know i know you do those walks or runs uh, in in your county if you ever want to get on and promote some of that stuff or just talk about it or or even just have us talk about it send it our way uh, we're happy to support you mm-hmm. in, in any way that we can and honestly i'm looking forward to just continuing a, a friendship relationship with you. And uh, as I mean, 20 years from now, who knows what podcasts will look like? Maybe uh, who knows? <laughs> Holographs. Dude, who knows? Like it could yeah. be, it could be anything. We just, you know, but we'd love to have you back on and continue to follow your progression through your career and, and, and watch how you're helping the community. Cause that's, what's important for us. Thank you. You bet. Well, thanks thanks for listening. And remember to check out our website, keepithumane.com. Use AC Report all caps, for 10% off any of your items. And please like, share, rate, check out our socials, the Animal Control Report. And as always, Brad, you're more than welcome to join us. We'd like to say thanks for listening and keep it humane.
1: Humane. humane. I was off. That's it. <laughs>